0: Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. You know, we've been talking a lot about um, propaganda and uh, and CRT and uh, cultural Marxism in the universities. And we're going to talk to somebody who's an expert at it. He's got a brand new book out called Brutal Minds, The Dark World of Left-Wing Brainwashing in Our Universities. Dr. Stanley Ridgely, Um, Dr. Stanley Ridgely is a a clinical full professor of management at Drexel University's Laveau College of Business. Dr. Ridgely also studied at Moscow State University and the Institute. um, I can't even say this one in Paris. Stan, you're going to have to help me out with this one. Uh, Let's see, there you go. Uh, My last French class was uh, about 43 years ago so there you go um uh-huh. uh, well welcome to the show great to talk to you and um, I, I gotta say that uh, brutal minds this is um, this is I think a book for our times we every single day it seems I see some sort of nonsensical thing going on on campuses mm-hmm. um, right you know I, I mentioned this to you right before we went on the air um, Jonathan Turley who writes a lot about this um at Res, uh uh Res, Res Ipsa Loquitur, uh which is his blog, is uh writing about a uh professor who has been suspended, uh, who was I think removed from his classroom and put under um under, under investigation for offering up chocolates that had he, him and she her on them and the she her was nutless. <laughs> it was a gag it's a gag from the Daily Wired apparently yeah. The the school didn't appreciate it. And, and um, so they're trying to fire the guy over this. And I'm thinking, you know, if I got fired for every bad joke I ever told, we wouldn't be sitting here talking today, Stan. <laughs> well, I, I look forward to hearing your jokes. Uh, and I promise a, a hearty chuckle. I promise to give a hearty chuckle. You know, I'm not going to hold you to that. The only person who who is who I, I hold to that is my wife, who is contractually obligated to laugh at my jokes. Um, contracts but, are great. <laughs> contracts are great. So tell us a little bit about Brutal Minds. What led you to write this book in the first place? Well, I was not led to write this book. I was led to write
1: a different book. And that book was, uh, uh, I, I'm a business professor, although my PhD is in political science. And I wanted to look at the, uh, the influence of critical theory on business. You know, critical theory, of course, is neo-Marxist. And there seems to be a, an encroachment of of neo-Marxism into the area of business. But the more I studied the issue, and I've been studying the issue now, going on seven years, and I've read over 2,000 articles. I have read or reviewed over 150 of their books. I was led to write this book, book, um, about the infestation into the university by an army of what i call an army of of mediocrities who come out of the education schools not to teach in k through 12 and not to teach uh, in the faculty but to fulfill or fill uh, bureaucratic positions in the university and they have virtually taken over the university uh, over the last 20 years in the uh, under the rubric of student affairs. They run a fake curriculum alongside our real curriculum where I teach. They run a fake curriculum they call the co-curriculum with fake professors or fake instructors, fake courses, and even in some cases now, a fake transcript. Uh, Rutgers and St. John's Universities offer these fake transcripts for outside the classroom learning, they call it. And these bureaucrats, uh, their motto, this is their motto, is boldly transforming uh, higher education, boldly transforming higher education. These are not faculty members. These are bureaucrats. And right. what exactly does this transformation consist of? Well, they engage in, as I say in the subtitle of the book, brainwashing. And I'm I'm willing to talk about that. I love talking about it because this is exactly what they do. And their techniques are exactly the same as we expect to find in American cults and cult recruitment. Um, but that's what the book is about. The brutal minds of the college campuses, not viewing the university as a crucible of knowledge of uh, the best that's been thought and said, to cite Matthew Arnold, uh, based on you know, uh, logic and reason and scientific method and and progress, but rather as an inst- doctrine, I'm sorry, an institution of indoctrination of a particular ideology. This ideology, happened to be crypto Maoist ideology, that's what brutal yeah. minds is about.
0: And I'm not even sure it's all that crypto. I mean, I think that yeah. you've got people in there who who are sort of openly Maoist, and we've seen it. You know, yeah, uh, we've seen it in, in government. You know, Anita Dunn was a big time Mao, um, mm-hmm. um, you know, aficionado. I guess you could yeah. say. Um And, and it, it, it is sort of a cultural revolution. And I'm not just yeah. talking about in the um, in academia, although I think it's probably at its worst in academia. Mm-hmm. But it's it, it's expanded into uh, primary and secondary education, as well as higher education. Now you're seeing this right. in all sorts of different manifestations and it is brutal. I mean, there's a story today mm-hmm. about a school in Colorado, which was creating a, um, a secret uh, sex and gender awareness club. And heard about we're telling, that, yes. yeah. Telling their, their, the students oh. to tell your parents, it's an art club. And they're they're talking about suicide. They're talking about, you know, uh, gender transitions and puberty blockers with these, I believe it's middle schoolers or late right. elementary uh, school age children. Um, now that's going to, there's a lawsuit involved in that. Um, but I mean, it's, it has the entire American education industry has transformed itself from education into indoctrination and indo- indoctrination in a very brutal sense. And that's the reason why I I love the um, I love the title of this brutal minds is Mm -hmm. because it really does very succinctly capture the Mm -hmm. tone and tenor of what is going on. It's not Mm -hmm. it's not nuanced. (laughs) It's no, it's not subtle. It's brutal. Right?
1: I I should say late point on point to your uh, to your reference to K through 12. And what's going on in Colorado, this this uh, telling students you don't, you know, keep secrets from your parents. I mean, that, that's alarming to most people. It's not alarming to the folks who are doing it. Uh, right. And this, you know, and my PhD is it was in uh, international relations, focusing on the Soviet Union back in the late '80s. And so I was kind of steeped in, you know, the the old Bolshevik doctrines. And this is Leninist, you know, through and through. The idea we're going to separate you from your your children. Uh, the ultimate uh, betrayal, of course, is getting children to basically report on their parents for uh, their heresy against the reg- regnant ideology, um, and and then rewarding them as young pioneers and, and heroes of Lenin. This has all been done before. Uh, it just has a different label. You mentioned, you know, the literal Maoist view. Well, education schools uh, have um, got a, had. they had a tough road to hoe. They had a tough sell to, you know, wait a minute, we, we want to Introduce Marxism and neo-Marxism and critical theory into our education schools because you know two of their pantheon are Michael Apple and Henry Giroux, and they 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 view these guys as patron saints. Uh, but they're both self-admitted, acknowledged Marxists. You can't sell Marxism, Marxism to the American public, uh, and perhaps some would be teachers. So you got to find a front man. You got to find a front man for your Marxism, and this is what they did. Just like a gangster tries to find a, fr- a front man to launder his dirty money. These characters decided to launder their Marxism through a Brazilian um, educator by the name of Paulo Freire, whose book, 1970, Pedagogy of the Oppressed, is the third most cited book in social sciences. He was a crypto Maoist. He was a great admirer. You mentioned the Cultural Revolution. He was a great admirer of of the the Maoist Cultural Revolution and said this, you know, whereas Lenin and Stalin had to shoot down the peasants, Mao Zedong has offered us the most genial solution. Of the century, the cultural revolution. Now, this guy Paulo Freire was a crypto—he was a Marxist and a crypto Maoist. He borrowed his education theory from from Mao. This is the guy that inspires our education schools now to send out in their advanced degree form bureaucrats into back into the university. To staff this co-curriculum, this parallel curriculum that I mentioned earlier. So it's there's no doubt about it. It's 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 clear to anyone who reads their stuff. Uh, no one reads their stuff, which is why which is why it's kind of an open secret. i read over 2,000 articles in the last six seven years. I've read over 150 books, or reviewed those books to verify. And this is in their own words. Here is the book right here. Brutal Minds uh the dark world of left wing brainwashing in our universities, and it's in their own words. um I will tell you and I had a conversation not fifteen minutes ago with a colleague of mine down the hallway he's a, he's from switzerland and and I explained the thesis of it to him. he's very skeptical um, as you might imagine he's very skeptical you're right. kind of a euro man right uh, and he was uh he was you know just Trying to take me to account on the very my interpretations of this and my interpretation of the boldly transforming higher education. I said, these are, these are not my interpretations. This is what they are saying. And and his his reaction was what I've expected. Faculty don't want to be presented with something that they're not really familiar with or that challenges. What they view the university really is, and they kind of have a have a a view of the university of ivy colored walls and dark paneled rooms where we have these esoteric discussions uh, and a yeasty, a yeasty and civil discussion. Well, that's that's no longer in existence. Right. What we have here is a bunch of radical progressives on the campuses inspired by Mao, whether they know it or not. Inspired by Mao, and are trying to transform our universities into indoctrination camps rather than this crucible of knowledge that I
0: describe. You know, it's very interesting, and I just want to flip back to something you were just saying the 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 point about reporting on your parents. Yeah, now, I found that very interesting because I remember when I was in elementary school, at a, they were teaching basic okay. soci, you know basic right. uh, sociology. I would say probably basic, you know. American history and that sort of thing. I, I can't remember the t- the context in which this was. We were we were watching a film strip, which tells you how old I am, right? Yeah, film strips. <laughs> a film strip. You remember? Yeah. Film I, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I wasn't. I wasn't sure if we were. You know. Oh, I got it. I mean, okay. okay. Watching a film strip, in which the point of the lesson was the difference between the godless Russians or Soviets, and we called them oh, Soviets right. back today. And and. You know, true blue Americans. One of which was that the Soviets were training their children to report on their parents. Right now, I happen to like my parents, <laughs> but but even even for a even for a good kid with good parents like mine, I was thinking, report on your parents. Hmm. <laughs> what, yeah. what exactly? What, the, who, who can I report? To? So who can I? Who am I going to report them to? And, and what yeah, right. is the result of that? Does this mean I get another ding dong every day or what? I mean, come on. <laughs> But I mean, I remember I remember that being the and it has stuck in my mind ever since. And I am very glad, uh, Dr. Stanley, originally that uh, that you brought this up in your book. Stan, call me Stan, Ed, okay? And of course, Stan, I'm very glad that you brought this up because my feeling on what's going on in academia and now out to the broader American culture is that we're creating a snitch culture Mm -hmm. that is designed to do exactly what this, you know, what, what we were talking about right. <laughs> years ago, uh, <laughs> in that film strip, um, one of my, um, one of my friends, Mark judge wrote a book called the American Stasi is about his experiences with the whole Brett Kavanaugh thing. Yeah. But he talks a lot about that too, about how we're, how we're basically turning people into snitches, uh, into snitches, uh, in order to, in order to, uh, cancel people in the same sort of way that the cultural revolution did, you know, uh, that was what, 50 yeah, years ago, yeah, uh, right. more than 50 years ago. I mean, is that what you're seeing? And is that part? I mean, it's got to be part of the brutality that you talk about in Brutal murder. Yes, it is. I, I,
1: and no one is going to actually come out and say, we want you to report on your parents, right? But they will say this. Uh, and I'll I'll relate to you what I what I mean when I say brainwashing, because most people tend to think of the Manchurian candidate with strobe lights, and you know, maybe hypnosis and physical abuse. No, I'm not talking about that brainwashing is a psychological manipulation program utilizing behavior modification to change someone's belief system. It's very right. sophisticated. The only entities in the United States that actually use this are American cults and university um, bureaucracies uh, and, some pla- and some faculty in some classrooms. And it's a three-stage process. Uh, it's, they actually have uh, brainwash manuals. I'll show you one right here. I got one right here. Um, I keep up with this, does teaching diversity and social justice uh, in this (laughs) manual, in this manual, they teach you how to utilize um, Kurt Lewin's three-stage process of unfreezing a belief system, changing it, and then refreezing it. They have changed the terminology a little bit, even though they do reference uh, Kurt Lewin. Let me share with you. First of all, you want to put students at their ease and encourage them to express trust and, quote, make yourself vulnerable. Then they move into a phase uh, that is of unfreezing the belief system, and we call this—they call this—defending. This is um, students undergo quote, challenges to their belief system in an environment that is supportive and trustworthy. Then they move to the changing the belief system phase. Uh, let me backtrack a little bit and say that they explicitly attack a person's sense of self, a person's sense of identity. This appears in brutal minds. Uh, I quote the folks who actually say this that this process will destabilize and may cause and deconstruct relationships with friends and family. In the surrendering phase that students face, students are presented social justice theory and Paulo Freire ideology, and the process is, quote, confusing, disorienting, frightening. Students might feel a sense of out of control, without known boundaries, and most, most important, they might feel anger and resentment and a sense of betrayal by those who were supposed to tell them the truth about the social world. They're talking about parents right there. And right. then finally, once they've got this in, you know, the people have become, the students have become receptive to this belief system. They move to the final stage of refreezing, doing the work, engaging them in activities to ensure that this, this uh, new belief system will backslide. Here's the quote. A new set of beliefs becomes home base for interpreting experience and creating meaning. The past is reinterpreted and reconstructed into a new frame of reference," end quote. That, my friend, is the brainwash laid out. Uh, It's it's no doubt about it. And uh, they engage in this. They publish this. They actually assess their success rate of convincing students, bringing them from a sense of false consciousness along a conveyor belt, their metaphor, conveyor belt to what they call critical consciousness. Now, this is a tautology, of course, that critical consciousness means that the scales have fallen from your eyes and that you can now see the contradictions and the relationships of power and privilege within society. And if someone over here like you and me, Ed, we, we have false consciousness, that only means that we haven't uh, acceded to this doctrine, Right. Right. And, uh, and so, so in other words, we are lacking in some way, we are um, broken, we are defective, and we need to be brought along. Well, this goes all the way back to Plato's cave in the Republic in the, in the fourth, fourth century BC, where, you know, we're all have false consciousness until someone decides you're going to lead us out of the cave into the bright sunlight. Well, this has been the source of a, of of every pozur and snake oil sales salesman throughout history that they have access to hidden knowledge, and
0: that's what our brainwashers right. do. Yeah, it's gnosticism, basically, is what it is. It's a, yeah. it's a part of gnosticism, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, as as somebody who is a you know a practicing Catholic, because I'm not good at it, so I have to keep practicing it. I, I'm very. <laughs> um, again, we're talking with Stanley Ridgely, Dr. Stanley Ridgely, who's the author of Brutal Minds, The Dark World of Left-Wing Brainwashing in Our Universities. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I think that this has become a lot less covert, especially yep. over the last few years. You know, I mentioned this thing in, in Colorado, but there's an awful mm-hmm. lot of this that is, it, it's not just in Colorado. This type of stuff is going on all over the place where they're telling kids, don't tell your parents. There's there are there are states now that are passing laws um declaring themselves sanctuaries um for children from their parents if the children's if the children identify themselves as trans. And, and I don't want to keep harping on this particular aspect because this is a lot broader than the transgender issue or or right. some of the other stuff. But we're seeing this kind of cult-like thing going on. You talk about heresies, you talk about people right. who are who are basically um you know, drummed out of the movement for being heretics. And we're talking people who are normally progressives who right. suddenly have, have gotten drummed out of the movement. So, I mean, it's got all of these things. It's got all these cult things. It's almost got a Scientology like uh, thing about um, what, what is it the suppressive persons is almost the way that this, this reaction goes. If you, if you question any of the tenets of this oh. religion. You know, one of the uh, things that I've done a lot, part of my
1: research is studying American cults and the types of techniques that they use to attract recruits. And one of the things is the uh, I believe Unification Church is used to attract recruits is their motto of peace and unity. Well, you know, you can see here diversity and inclusion and belonging, and that sounds an awful lot like a, like a cult mantra that's going to attract you because who could be against diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging? Who could be against peace and unity? What's an interesting part of this, and I mentioned this in Brutal Minds, is that it, this is one of those quirks of history where, Richard Delgado, whose name is associated with critical race theory, he's one of the founding uh, popularizers of it, in a prior prior, uh, existence, he was a lawyer who was uh, doing a lot of research on cults. And, and involving free speech issues. And so my, I have a lot of references to Richard Delgado, but not his critical race theory, but his his, his research on calls. And one of the things he found is that, and, and I say this in response to people who say, well, how, how good is their success rate? Because we have people who are not susceptible. Well, he he shared with us the idea well, well actually the practice that unification church would do you bring a busload of folks to the to, uh, to a weekend retreat and they're coming from the city and the folks would get off the bus well the, the unification church of the moonies would have people watching the people as they get off the bus and they can tell through the body language they're very good at re- recognizing body language you've got the upper white uh, upper white middle class kids upper middle class kids looking around and ooing and eyeing and, and they're very susceptible to this. You can just tell. Well, there's also a second group of people who are streetwise. And these are his words, Delgado's words, where they're kind of cocking an eyebrow and looking around and saying, what the heck is this all about? What's, what's going on here? Well, the first group are sheep. That's their terminology. They'll sh- sh- um, shuttle them over here. The second group are goats and they will move them over here. They'll give them a perfunctory introduction put them back on the bus and send them back to town. So what they've done is essentially is to to call out anyone who's going to be a dissenter and and they're left with a group of people who are very tractable and susceptible to this peace and unity message. And then they proceed to what they call love bombing them, which is offering, yeah, you've heard this, offering them unconditional acceptance, warmth. I've never felt so accepted uh, in my life. These people are wonderful. I can trust these people. And that's the whole point. They're trying to get you to offer trust where it is not uh, uh, really not uh, uh, worthwhile to do so. In fact, it could be dangerous. That's exactly the technique, gain, gaining trust so that you will begin to self-disclose information that can then be used against you. That's the brainwash, pure and simple.
0: You know, Stan, I don't know if you ever saw this movie. It didn't really get, it, it, it didn't, I don't think it got around a whole lot. It's from 1981. It's called Ticket to Heaven. And it's mm-hmm. about, they, they don't use unification church and they don't use the word moonies, but right. it's basically about that. Right. And that's where I first heard the term love bombing, although they, yeah. what they, they kind of turned around and said bomb with love. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the same thing. And I, yeah. you know, you study it a little bit, you realize, okay, it's called love bombing. And it's, I mean, this is really, yeah. it's a very unsettling film. Um,
1: yeah. I, I'm going to have to check it out. It's called yeah. uh, he- heaven can wait. Oh no. it's the, uh, <laughs> that's the
0: other <laughs> no, That's one. Warren okay. Beatty. And you know, yeah, yeah, oh, it's yeah, Mr. Yeah. Jordan was the original, but no, no, it's called ticket to heaven. Okay. And, um, it has Nick Mancuso, a very young Kim, Kim mm-hmm. Cattrall. Um, it's got uh, some character actors that you'll recognize when they're yeah. on this, but you won't know their names. Well, and, I'm, not, I'm not
1: that old, so I probably, I don't know. <laughs> way beyond my, before my time. Uh, uh, rub it in, it. Stan, rub it in, Stan, rub it in. No, actually I, actually, I was already out of college when that movie came out, so I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, but I'll look up that, I'll look that. That sounds like a, really, what we're talking about here, because when you say love bombing what you're talking about is enveloping someone, it can be very intoxicating. It's like flattery. I mean, we can say we don't like flattery, but my goodness, who doesn't like flattery? You know, you know, that you know, people will tell, oh, I read I've read your book, oh, I love the I love the sentence structure, I love the the direct no, come on. But yeah, it feels good, right? And right, uh, sure. you like you like that acceptance, you like that approval, that validation. Well, what happens if you give a tractable young person who is in a new situation, doesn't really know anyone, is feeling their way for the first time, away from home, suddenly there's this group of people who is offering unconditional acceptance and warmth and affirmation just for being there everything you say and do is affirmed and that's what these brainwashers do often in often in orientation in the first couple of weeks and that is what happens whenever you find you come back well your kids come back from from college that first thanksgiving dinner and they seem so angry they seem so uh, alienated from you you can sense more than simply uh you know a growing up. You sense this detachment, and that's because they quite likely have been faced, been presented with a um, an attack on their sense of self, their identity, and they've been presented with what they call new information, just designed to widen their world. And again, the scales will fall from their eyes, and they believe they're smarter than their parents. Not because they're smarter than their parents, but that we always know that that's going to happen, right? Yeah. But because they have been told that they're smarter than their parents, they've been told this and that. Now you have access to hidden information that's denied your parents, who are, as you and I are, afflicted with false consciousness.
0: Right. Exactly. And and again, it's very cult-like behavior. Yes, it is. And you see it over and over and over again. All right. I want to move to a couple other points here. Sure. On. Uh, on, on your very fine book, "Brutal Minds: The Dark World of Left-Wing Brainwashing in Our Universities," which is available starting today um, uh, at at fine bookstores and of course on Amazon and all the rest of that, we'll have a link up in the show post here. Um, but Stan, you um, you write in the um, in the preface that yes. you know a lot of us will reference 1984, George Orwell's 1984, right. uh, which is you know, which is good stuff. It's a wonderful it's, book. It, it's it's a it's a great book. I actually think that Animal Farm might be a little bit better at explaining some of this stuff, but um, but 1984 is really good. You, however, recommend Václav Havel's essay "The Power of the Powerless," and um, in, in order to kind of grasp what is taking place here, tell us a little bit about that. Well, Václav Havel uh,
1: was a playwright, and he was a dissident, in Czechoslovakia when it was under the domination of the of the Soviets, and what's really uh, one of those. You know, great career moves. He uh, after the expulsion of the Soviets, he was elected as Czech, Czech Republic's first president. Talk about a turnaround and a comeback. Well, while he was a dissident, he wrote a, a famous essay called "The Power of the Powerless," and he described Czech society under the Soviets when people were forced to live within the lie. It was a very performative. This, the, you know the left likes to use the term performativity. Uh, it's an idea we have to live according to a script, and uh, if we don't then there could be trouble. We don't know where that trouble is going to come from. We don't know what it's, it's going to be, you know, what character is going to be, but we know we're going to be in trouble in some way, shape or form. So the green grocer, an example he gives, the green grocer puts a sign in his window that says, workers of the world unite. That's just the sign for this month that he has to do. He has no belief in this, but he knows if he doesn't put the sign in his in his window, he's going to have some trouble coming his way. Right. Well, I, you know, workers of the world unite, that's a, that's a, A contentless trope now, uh, very much like diversity and inclusion. Diversity is our strength. So he's forced, we're forced to put this sign, if you will, or to uh, affirm our devotion, a fealty to something called diversity. And if we don't, well, we're going to experience some bad effects somewhere down the line. You know it, I know it, and that's the lie that we all live under. Uh, and that's especially prevalent in the university where you have these affirmations. I, you know, it's one of those things, if you recall those old videos, you can look at it, see it on YouTube, of Joseph Stalin's speeches. And he would just you know, say, hello. And they would, everyone would jump to their feet and they're applauding. And you don't want to be the first one who stops applauding. And they're cheering him. And he would have a buzzer underneath his desk. He would push the buzzer, a bell would sound, which meant it's okay to stop applauding. I mean, that's that's the truth. And I, I'm i in these meetings at times. And someone said, what's the word? What the word at top of mind for you someone's like equity equity <laughs> that's the word i have top of mind not me i didn't do that but they like, "Oh, what's equity diversity inclusion belonging they would say this it's like this uh, they have to be the first to say it uh and that is a very real phenomenon if you and i'm if you have you know, your listeners can in their own circles you, you watch for this sort of thing the first person and these are not people who are, you know, have a lot of moral stature and a lot of backbone, if you know what I mean. Right. Yeah. You know, no, no, no. They they are they're surviving and they survive by being the first to shout the today's motto. I mean, yesterday it was sustainability. The sustainability. You recall that, right? Then we kind of moved into a new era after uh, 2020, and now it's diversity, equity, inclusion. I don't know what's going to be next. I think that this is going to run its course. If I have anything to say about it, it's going to run its course. And if brutal minds, if, if, you know, read what happens and
0: what I say in brutal minds, what you can do about it to do your part to help end it. Yeah, I I just will... um... I'm going to make one observation and come back with a quick question before we, before we finish up. First off, I'd also say that if you really want to see how that brutality works and how it keeps getting reinforced, there's, I think, almost no better book besides Brutal Minds by Dr. Stanley Ridley. (laughs) Almost no better book. I think Amazon
1: has them paired. I don't know what book you're going to say, but we can make sure that they're paired up. You should pair it up with
0: The Road to Serfdom by F.A. Hyatt.
1: Oh, my goodness. My goodness. My goodness. Uh.
0: Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. You just floored me with that. Go ahead, please. No, I mean, I mean, I Fantastic. think that is really, that should be required reading. Yeah. For how yes. economic systems actually work and economic systems turn into political systems and vice versa. Yeah. And, and the reason why uh, the collectivist model fails um, and the reason why is because you can't have a central authority that can anticipate all of the different choices right. it, that individuals right. are facing. And this is true in economics. It's true in politics. It's true in culture. There's no way to do it. It fails, and as it fails, and as it continues to fail, what you end up throwing up is more brutal and more and more brutal leaders to try to impose, you know, victory right. over over failure. And um, and I think that brutal minds. I think you're 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 talking about the same type of thing here. Yeah, I you know I have to tell you, Friedrich Hayek. Uh, I I bought my wife uh, for her birthday a
1: third edition hard copy of Road to Serfdom, which tells you that she's on the right track too. She loves Friedrich Hayek and von Mises and Milton Friedman, the whole economic pantheon. Right. Yeah, and 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 Road to Serfdom is absolutely. A required reading. I'm always slipping in there. You know, John Maynard Keynes is generally acknowledged as the great economist. Well, if he weren't, if he had not lived, it would have been Friedrich Hayek as the greatest economist of the 20th century. I think he was uh, in in many respects. But yeah, it's. I think that those that, that brutal minds and Friedrich Hayek. mentioned Friedrich Hayek in the in the in the book, brutal minds, and I think they ought to be a uh, be a discount pair uh, there. A you purchase go purchase on on Amazon. Yeah, and he does speak. He speaks to. The fallacy and the myth of social justice, as well in his law legislation and liberty, which is a, a trilogy and I, one of the uh, it's, it's wonderful reading too. He's so direct, succinct, uh, and is not writing in these tortured uh, acad- academies that we uh, all are compelled to write in on occasion. Now, by the way, this book is not written in academies and and that kind of thing. Um, the publisher wouldn't let me do that. Made sure that I, I that I was direct, short sentences, punchy and with lots of examples. And so, there you go. Well,
0: it's always good to have a good editor. And I, I found oh, that yeah. with my book too, it's good to have a good editor, but yes, uh, but I think anybody who's watching this for any period of time is going to understand that uh, Dr. Stanley Ridgely is not necessarily inclined to academies. He's a pretty direct kind of guy in his book, uh, Brutal Minds is also direct. One quick question here before we wrap it up though. Well, we've been yeah. talking about this in terms of academia. I mean, if we, also, we talk about it in the broader culture, but right what has this done to the quality of education in your assessment, looking at this over the last 20 years, especially. Um, and I, I mean, we can all say, well, well, it makes it stink, but you know, I mean, I, what specifically has this done to education and to the people who are coming out of these institutions of education?
1: Well, with respect to education schools um, and my wife was a former public school teacher and private school teacher for a number of years, and she's confirmed this. Now, in, in education schools now, a lot of teachers who are trained are not really trained in a subject matter such as history or math or science. Uh, you know, particular science. They're trained a- as educationists, who and who. This is why there seems so today. Uh, and you know, and motivated to utilize the correct pronoun, and motivated to question your kids to find out what's going on at this very vulnerable age, and how they can quote unquote help your kids, as opposed to simply teaching the subject matter. Which, uh, unfortunately, uh, a lot of, many of them are are simply unqualified or incapable of, of teaching. That's K through twelve. I'm not an expert on that sort of thing. I'm like you. I kind of watch, and I I know what a lot of the problems are because they come from this institution uh, that uh, of higher education, meaning education schools that are indeed the cause of much of the problems in higher education today. Um, So I have seen a a decline in uh, education because of this type of infestation of this particular ideology. It's kind of a closing up, closing of the American mind uh, to to cite uh, Alan Bloom, the idea that there are certain things that you can't say um, and those things you can't say are some of the most ridiculous things that, that you would imagine. You can't give out candy uh, to your students if they're, they're not the right kind of candy, not the approved types of candy. Um, and so there's a general um, uh, depressing, uh, depressant of uh, the ideological, I'm sorry, the academic discourse, the range of thought, the, the, the multiplicity of thought that can be expressed freely. There are certain things that you don't say in public if you're a faculty member, and most faculty members know this. Um, and uh, I, I'll give you an example if I can. Sure. Uh, I, I'm on the faculty senate, um, and in one of these meetings, I was challenging the, the 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 assertion that my university was quote institutionally racist. I said, "Can you tell? Can you tell me? Can you name the people, the policies, the procedures, and programs that you believe are racist? Can you do that?" And the response that I got was that my question, just like a number of other questions that had been relayed to the to the representative of this anti-racist task force, my question indicated that I was part of the problem, right. and that all of these questions. Now, this this response, basically hostility towards anyone who questions your theory, that is classic conspiracy theory behavior. Conspiracy theorists hate. To give evidence, they will not give you evidence. And if you ask questions, then you—that means that you're part of the conspiracy against them. It's like, you know, well, prove you're not an alien. Well, I'm not an alien. Well, that's exactly what an alien would say. You're part of the conspiracy. That kind <laughs> of thing. I've actually experienced this. It's, it's bizarre and uh, it's it's strange. But this is the type of uh, mentality that that you're dealing with, uh, uh, certainly on the college campus and, and a lot of places outside the campus.
0: Well, I got to tell you, it's also basic cult behavior, which we've been discussing here. Exactly. In in relation to uh, Brutal Minds. Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, the book is Brutal Minds The Dark World of Left Wing Brainwashing in Our Universities. We've been talking with Dr. Stanley Ridgely. The book is out now. You should go get it. And while you're at it, buy Road to Serfdom too. As as a pair, right? Highly recommend it. As a pair. Absolutely. But read Brutal Minds first and then buy an extra copy in case your copy wears out. I think, and you want to give it to a, your
1: favorite college, your favorite high school student, and college
0: student. They That's can right. Use this to to combat this type of thing. In fact, I would say that you probably want to give a copy of this to anybody who might be going to college in the fall, because right? then that turns them from the sheep into right? the goats who are walking around going, really, exactly. You try you doing that eye like like that? Yeah, I'm looking at what, what's going
1: on here. Kind of a hyper. There you go. Hyper uh, suspicion.
0: Yeah. What's what's this? I'm not buying this. That's what you want. That's That's exactly what what you want. Exactly. All right. Dr. Stanley Ridgely. Thank you so much for a great conversation. I hope we get a chance to do this again. I hope so too.